Please join me for the prayer of illumination as it's printed in your bulletin. Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life, grant that we who celebrate with joy this day of the Lord's resurrection may, by the reading of your holy word and the renewing of your life-giving spirit, be delivered from sin and raised from death to righteousness and newness of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I invite you to read with me the first lesson. It's in the book of Acts. Chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses and who ate and drank with him after he rose From the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness and sin, forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the God. Thanks be to God.
A reading from St. Paul, the Apostles' Letter to the Colossians, the third chapter, verses 1 through 4. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
beginning with the first verse. Listen with me for the word of God. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I want to begin by expressing my heartfelt gratitude for all of the people who have worked behind the scenes to make this special Easter worship experience possible. Many hours of preparation, extra rehearsals. So we're so thankful for the musicians, for the chancel choir, for the handbell choir. By the way, the new robes look really great. Uh, a special thanks to all of the church members who have been providing hospitality in wonderful ways. Also a big thanks to our church staff. For Becca, Mike, Aaron, Bailey, Jen, and Josh, especially Josh. I know all that goes into the preparation for the music, and we're all really thankful. After all, we want to experience a full and beautiful, vibrant Easter. We want the joy of Easter to fill our hearts and to enable us to praise God fully. That's exactly what one particular pastor was hoping for in teaching about the biblical story of Easter to a group of children. The pastor was especially trying to teach what Jesus said on that first Easter day. And so after he was finished with the lesson, he circled back around to the children and he said, okay, so who can remember what Jesus said on Easter? One little boy's hand shot up, ooh, ooh, I know the answer. Yes. Ta-da! <laughs> well, not quite. After all, it was not a performance. Instead, it was God's saving action to bring about forgiving love to the whole world through Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection. What did Jesus say, though? Well, first of all, he greeted those people, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, and then he said something that sounded awfully familiar because the angel had just said it. Do not be afraid, but go and tell the disciples what has happened. 
do not be afraid. This word from on high, it was said before, but it seems that we need to keep hearing it, don't we? When we hear this message, it is undeniably a theme in these first few verses of Matthew chapter 28. The angel says it, the Lord says it himself. When, 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 when we think about fear here, it's different than the kind of fear that keeps you from riding that roller coaster. It's different from the kind of fear that lurks when you're watching a horror movie. Here, the word fear is about not having control over the situation, recognizing that change is happening, not knowing what is about to happen, recognizing the need to adapt, and being concerned that you may need to lose something or someone along the way. Here, that's what fear means. Oftentimes, when we experience a stressful situation, we're, we're overcome with this kind of fear. And as psychologists tell us, the response is usually to fight, flight, or perhaps freeze in place, which is what happened with the guards. Remember, the guards who were standing there at the tomb, their response, they were literally shaking, and they froze they didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to do. But for Mary and Mary Magdalene, I think they had a combination of both fight and flight. In other words, they were processing this. They were trying to work through it, trying to figure it out. And as they were about to go with the Lord's blessing, listen to what verse 8 says. They went with both fear and great joy. Fear and great joy. In other words, mixed emotions. You know what it means to have mixed emotions. In fact, I think over the past several years, we've seen different stories play out in, in the news where mixed emotions are on full display. For example, if you watched the Super Bowl a few months ago, you saw Mrs. Kelsey. You know who Mrs. Kelsey is? She's the mother of these two boys who competed against each other. First time ever in the Super Bowl that the two competing teams had brothers from the same family. So going into this game, she knew that one of her sons would win and the other son would lose. She wore a special jersey. Half Kansas City Chiefs, half Philadelphia Eagles, 100% Kelsey family. And she wore that jersey. By the way, this last week, it was put on display at the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You can see it when you tour. But just imagine what it would have been like to be Mrs. Kelsey, leading up to the Super Bowl and after. Both the overwhelming excitement and joy and pride for her one son, and also the crushing heartache for her other son. Do you have any friends who went to the Masters yesterday? I bet they had some mixed emotions. 
They were probably waiting for years to get tickets to go to the Masters. They found out that their name came up in the lottery, and they thought, finally, I'm going to get to go to Augusta, and I'm going to enjoy the Masters, and I'm so excited. But it rained. (sighs) But they can still go and eat an egg salad sandwich. (laughs) Mixed emotions. What about Will Smith at the Oscars last year? Oh, he won! He was excited that he won. Oh, but of course he was overwhelmed with regret and shame. You know what it means to have mixed emotions, where there's not a single word that can accurately describe the full range of what you're thinking and feeling and being motivated to do. A lot of times we experience this during transitions in life, like a high school or college graduation. Great pride and excitement for accomplishment, but also a little bit of curiosity about what's next. Or I think about at weddings, when I get to talk to the parents of the bride or the groom. Oh, they're so proud and so excited and grateful to have family and friends gathered together, but they're awfully nervous, wondering what's going to happen, what's next. How about you? What life experiences have you been through in recent months or recent years where you've had mixed emotions, trying to make sense of it all? I think that at the very heart of it are some very deep and significant spiritual questions with which we all wrestle. Well, if that's the case, then you're in good company with the very first two people who witnessed the resurrected Christ. Mary and Mary Magdalene, They had both fear and great joy. They went to the tomb early when it was dark, but the light of eternity was shining down upon them. They thought when they first arrived at the tomb that the story was over. But then they recognized that the story was going to somehow continue and Jesus wanted them to be a part of it. What would this mean for them? They didn't know. So along with that fear, they also had great joy because they recognized that all those things that Jesus had talked about, all those references back to those Old Testament teachings, it was all happening right before their eyes. And it overwhelmed them with enthusiasm to tell others. I believe that the experience of Easter for you and me happens on a very personal level deep inside, but it also ought to connect to our family and to our friend network. But not just that, it also should extend beyond those networks into the community where we live. So very personally, this means we have no reason to go through life feeling alone, in dark, in despair. Because Jesus rose from the dead, he has defeated the powers of sin, evil, and darkness so that we can live in the fullness of God's glorious light. This gives us hope, a real hope, not just some empty optimism, but a real hope that today and tomorrow in the future can be better. That's what Easter provides for us on a very personal level. 
But for our friends and for our family networks, it gives us the capacity to forgive, to connect with one another beyond our mistakes. We don't have to live in those hateful, mean-spirited, bigoted ways of thinking and doing that the world oftentimes puts upon us. But with the people who matter the very most, we can live lives of love. And Easter makes that possible. But again, it's not just for you personally. It's not just for your networks. It should should spill out into the community. And every time it does, through your acts of kindness and mercy, we see signs of the resurrection. I think this is what the poet Wendell Berry meant at the end of one of his poems when he gives the admonishment, practice resurrection. Practice resurrection. In other words, the things that we do for the glory of God, they bear witness to what God has done in the world through Jesus. For example, coming up this week, it's our church's turn and joy to provide a meal on Thursday night and Friday mornings for our neighbors at Rowan Helping Ministries. To cook the food, to serve the food, clean up afterwards, meet our neighbors through the soup kitchen. It's coming up. You can be a part of it. If you would like to, contact Taffy Jordan. She'll let you know what the next steps are. Practicing resurrection. It's not merely doing a good deed. It's reflecting the glory of Easter. You know, there are a lot of connections, I think, between Christmas and Easter. Even beyond the superficial things. And as much as I love Christmas candy and Easter candy, there's something even sweeter that I want you to recognize this morning. We have been singing Charles Wesley's Easter hymn throughout the worship service. Charles Wesley, along with his brother John, the great inspiration and motivation behind the Methodist movement. But he wrote another hymn that we usually sing at Christmas time. And we know it by the title, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. There's a beautiful line in that hymn. It's one of my all-time favorites. Light and life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Now, that's a line about Jesus. And when we're singing that hymn at Christmas time, and we're singing about this little baby, you might be wondering, well... How is it that this little baby brings light and life and healing? Well, it's pointing ahead to now. This is what Jesus provides through the cross and the empty tomb. Light and life to all he brings. Risen from the grave with healing in his wings. This is the good news of the gospel for us at Easter. Receive the gift of light and life so that you don't need to live in darkness and despair. You have the hope of eternity with the risen Christ in your life. Amen.